0: Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health.
1: Hello, and welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast. My name is Dr. Danielle Tate. I'm the Maternal Medical Director for TIPQC, and today I'm joined by Dr. Karen Sketzina. Dr. Karen Sketzina is a general pediatrician, professor, and vice chair of academic pediatrics in the Department of Pediatrics at East Tennessee State University. Welcome, Dr. Sketzina. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. And we are so happy to have you here today to discuss your program, Caring for Motherhood. Can you just very briefly tell us what is Caring for Motherhood? So the
2: Caring for Motherhood Journal is a book for expectant and new mothers that was created during 2021 at East Tennessee State University through support from a grant from the Tennessee Department of Health for maternal mortality prevention. As part of the grant project, we also conducted a series of educational sessions on topics relevant to maternal mortality prevention for healthcare providers through the ETSU Child and Family Health Institute. The contributors to the book included faculty and staff from the ETSU departments of OBGYN, family medicine, pediatrics, and psychology. It was also reviewed by other non-contributors, collaborators in the university and in the region. So we collected a lot of feedback when developing this book. Contributors included Dr. Charlotte Alexander and Dr. Martin Olson in the ETSU Health OBGYN Clinic, Dr. Joyce Troxler in the ETSU Family Medicine Clinic, Dr. Diana Moreland in psychology, and Katie Duval, Dr. Deborah Mills, Dr. Diana Pure, and Dr. Sarah Tolliver, as well as myself in pediatrics. So, our project faculty were already collaborating on programs, and these programs included those to address drug use disorder in pregnant women and exposed newborns, such as the Addiction Medicine Fellowship Program in Family Medicine, that's directed by Dr. Troxler, the Prenatal Medication Assisted Therapy Clinic at UTSU Health OB, that's directed by Dr. Olson the Baby Steps Program in Pediatrics directed by Dr. Pure. And we also had contributors from, and in, in prior collaboration from the ETSU Ballot Health Strong Brain Institute. So that's a group that's focused on prevention and mitigation of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. So, one of our contributors was a founding steering committee member of the SBI, Dr. Diana Moreland. And I will say, one of the steering committee members, Dr. Moreland directs the Mom Power program in our region the book was designed to be used useful and a keepsake so a lot of the handouts that we give to patients and families may just end up never coming out of the purse for months or in the garbage can frankly so we were really thoughtful in how we designed the book it contains information tips, resources on topics relevant for preventing deaths in moms. It includes a series of prenatal and postpartum visit pages that are designed to help women prepare for and engage with their healthcare provider during visits and then take notes and, and lists of questions that they may have there's, of course, an introduction to baby page and then a calendar with some journaling pages, some stickers and tear out lists. So we, again, tried to make it interactive, something that Win-Win would want to keep using, not that it would sit in the purse or sit on the desk and be untouched.
1: Wow that is so great and I am so amazed how you were able to pull in so many different disciplines that in itself is just a feat to be able to collaborate because we both know that the pregnancy period and the postpartum period is a very much so exciting yet can be complicated takes a village type of patient care so I hands down commend you for all the work that you've done. This is so exciting. So can you talk a little bit more about the journey to developing this book and how it was developed? So
2: Harkening back to what you mentioned, it's estimated that 700 women die from pregnancy or pregnancy-related complications each year in the United States. We know that non-Hispanic Black women are three times more likely to die than non-Hispanic white women. Rates of death increase with age of the mom, and there's data to suggest that it's higher among women living in rural areas and poor communities. In our state of Tennessee and in the nation, maternal deaths have been increasing in recent years. In 2020, 98 women died during pregnancy delivery or the year after delivery from pregnancy-related or non-pregnancy-related causes. Almost half of deaths were pregnancy-related, 75% were classified as preventable, and the majority occurred between 43 and 365 days after delivery. Contributing factors in our state to maternal deaths include substance use disorder, mental health conditions, discrimination, and obesity. So, I mentioned that a lot of those deaths occurred after pregnancy. I'm a pediatrician, as you mentioned, and Pediatricians see patients primarily with their mothers for infant well child visits at least seven times during the first year of a baby's life and actually about 15 times or more in the first five years of a child's life. So we as pediatricians have opportunities to engage with mothers to help address their needs. You mentioned the interprofessional team that we put together in creating this book. At ETSU we have a history of interprofessional education and team-based care including integrated behavioral health at ETSU. So We've had for over a decade in our clinic, an integrated behavioral health and resource team. So a team with a behavioral health consultant who's a licensed clinical psychologist, as well as resource team members, such as social workers that work side by side with nurses and pediatricians in our clinic. And so the way we function, we do a lot of screening at Well Baby Visits not just about the infant's needs, but about the parent, caregivers, and family needs. So we do use the Edinburgh for postpartum depression screening during the first six months of an infant's life. At ETSU, we also use a social determinants of health screener, we call it our team care screener, And ask questions specific to the parent, caregivers, and household history of resource needs, mental health issues, drug use disorder, violence exposure, those types of things. And as a pediatrician, if I get a positive on my screeners, I can walk down the hall and request what's called a warm handoff. So that our one of our behavioral health and resource team members can come in, talk a little bit more to my family while they're in the clinic, and help further assess and address those needs. Again, they're often needs among the parent and caregiver, or the mom. So I have, and our team has a perspective of the impact of health and well-being of mothers of caregivers and the home environment on our pediatric patients so that's how a pediatrician got into the business of leading development of a book to reduce deaths in mothers but pediatricians are not maternal health care providers we're not women's health care providers so i really applaud the state of tennessee's expansion of 10 care benefits for pregnancy and postpartum including expansion of coverage from 60 days to 12 months after delivery. This is huge. It provides much greater enhanced access to care for obstetrical and and women's health. So in the book, we attempted to address, again, this book is for mothers intended to be used during pregnancy and the year after birth we attempted to address as many of the Tennessee Department of Health's recommendations for reducing maternal deaths as possible. We wanted to keep a focus on underlying contributing factors and a focus on what's preventable. These recommendations from the Department of Health were made for community and state agencies, clinics and hospitals, healthcare providers, as well as women, friends, and families.
1: I will tell you that it's so appreciated. A lot of times we hear the statistics, we know the facts, and then we're at a loss as to what to do. And this book definitely sounds like a solution. And so that's amazing. And you hit the nail on the head with pediatricians often being the extension of care for a woman who's just delivered because traditionally insurance runs out the six week. Mom may choose for care of the baby over her own care. so. Again, setting that example of how obstetrics and pediatrics can work together to care for the unit instead of having our own separate focuses on mother and baby separately. So you mentioned the focus of the book, which sounds amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about how you decided on this approach to the book versus others?
2: Certainly. So the book has six sections in it, and these are addressing... Health and wellness. So, caring for your health, your finances, your mind, your safety, yourself, and your baby. So, that's how we organize the information, tips, and resources in the book. So, for instance, in the section on caring for your health, the three leading causes of deaths in mothers were cardiovascular and coronary disease, hemorrhage, and mental health conditions. So in this section, we talked about that. We talked about lifestyle factors, conditions unique to pregnancy like and postpartum, like preeclampsia, we talked about the body mass index, shared tips for monitoring health, eating healthy, being active during pregnancy, and after delivery. We talked about benefits of breastfeeding, and I know Dr. Mike DeVoe was on a prior podcast for TipQC. He was the person who got me introduced and involved in TipQC, helping to co-lead the breastfeeding promotion projects in the state a number of years ago. So we talk about recovering from pregnancy, reasons to call your healthcare provider, goals to work on after pregnancy and have lots of resources both online, local, state, national. We have interactive pages in the book so it's not just reading. So for instance, in this section, we've got a place to fill out a healthy plate and make a list of what you might put on your plate to be healthy. Under caring for your finances, we have information about how to get health insurance as well as tips for saving money, budgeting. We highlight how breastfeeding and quitting smoking can help save money. Under caring for your mind, We know that not in the book, but as healthcare providers, we know that mental health contributed to 23% of pregnancy associated deaths in our state in 2020, and suicide was a cause in 6%. So we talk about those issues. We have a list of postpartum depression and anxiety and psychosis symptoms in the book. We talk about intimate partner violence, ACES, how to practice resilience, again, have resources. And then Dr. Moreland from the Strong Brain Institute was very instrumental in helping us include about half a dozen interactive pages, pages for reflection in this section about caring for your mind. In terms of safety, we know that pregnant women have lower rates of seatbelt use and proper seatbelt use. Pregnant and postpartum women are at risk for homicide. And firearms contributed to fatal instances of intimate partner violence. So we don't want this book to be scary. We want it to be happy but informative. And so we have some did you know sections where we can highlight why are we talking about these things? but really try to focus on tips. So in the caring for safety section, we have tips on firearm usage and safe storage. We have all the tips for pregnant women in terms of like lap belt use, airbags, adjusting your seat when you're pregnant, and caring for yourself. This section really focuses on substance use disorder, and that's a very prevalent condition in pregnancy in Tennessee, as well as particularly in our region. Dr. Troxler was really key in guiding us on what to include in this section. We know that drug overdose, particularly from opioids, contributes to maternal mortality, and this has been seen in 34% of pregnancy-associated deaths in Tennessee in 2020. You know, again, it's a prevalent problem. It's rates of drug use disorder in pregnant women quadrupled between 1999 and 2014. So in Caring for Yourself, again, this is a book for any pregnant woman. And I think part of what we're doing in here is just raising awareness about the issue. We talk about what opioids are, what medications are used to treat opioid use disorder, examples of other substances, and why this is an important issue to be aware of. We share lots of tips and resources for quitting tobacco, alcohol, getting help with drug use disorder. We also have a focus on preventing overdose, storing medications safely, Keeping accounts, locking up medications, disposing or putting it in a drop box when it's no longer needed, things that can help prevent diversion. And then, of course, we had to include a section on caring for your baby. Again, we focused in this section to be consistent with the other parts of the book on like leading causes of deaths in infants in Tennessee, and we don't talk about mortality, we don't talk about death in the book because we want it to be educational and empowering, but we know what those are. And so we do talk about how to find a healthcare provider, what to think about when you're being discharged from the hospital or birth center with your newborn, what to expect in terms of newborn visits. As I mentioned, we see babies at least seven times in the first year of life. We touch on vaccinations, but then we focus again on on those leading causes of death. These include child passenger safety or car seat safety. We talk about safe sleep. We have a checklist for each of those topics and then talk about water safety tips. We also have a section on psychological safety tips and how to promote emotional and psychological development in baby. You ask, how did we decide on the approach for this book? It actually went back to 2012. Like, why did our team decide to create a book for moms? So the Read and Play for a Bright Future program in the Department of Pediatrics was launched in 2012 with support from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And then later on, it was expanded from support, through grants from Tennessee Department of Health and HRSA, as well as our regional healthcare system, Ballad Health. So we consider the Caring for Motherhood Journal to be a book within our Read and Play for a Bright Future book series. The goals of Read and Play for a Bright Future were to engage families in playing more, playing together, fueling to play and playing safely. Our original read and play for a bright future book was a baby book. So just like this is a journal that moms can use during pregnancy and after birth, our first read and play book was a book for new parents to use a baby book to help them understand and engage them in promoting health and safety and development and well-being of their baby. With that, we also included a healthy, active living tips booklet, which tips for the whole family and how they can be healthy role models for babies. Those books were later developed into a mobile app, so the Read and Play Baby Book mobile app is available to download for Apple and Android devices for free, as well as a children's book series. And our children's book series includes a squirrel, an owl, and a raccoon as the main characters. Those are woodland creatures we often see in Northeast Tennessee. And each book includes a story as well as a reading guide and tips for parents and caregivers. Over the past decade, Read and Play for a Bright Future has grown to include a series of community events. Every year we do a night at the museum with your pediatrician. We also have an event in April for National Child Abuse Prevention Month where we hold our Once Upon a Time Celebration We've developed a lot of partnerships as we built the Read and Play program throughout ETSU. We also worked closely with our state chapter of the Tennessee American Academy of Pediatrics and then dozens of community organizations in the region to develop these books and also conduct these community events. It's been a great opportunity to engage trainees. So we have a medical school and a pediatric residency program and other residency programs at UTSU. So we involve trainees in all aspect of the program and in developing books. And actually, the person who created the first draft and it was. Probably four three or four pages long of Caring for Motherhood and decided on the name for the book was Dr. Sarah Tolliver, who was and is a pediatric resident at ETSU. She was on her community rotation with me. And that was one of her assignments. What should this book look like that we, we want to produce with this funding from Department of Health? So she got us started. So it's been really useful to engage trainees in these projects. We also, with Read and Play, use social media and kind of a social marketing approach. So the children's books have cute characters in them. We try to make them engaging. The materials are all in English and Spanish.
1: Great. It's just wonderful to hear that journey to start with you know, one or two children's books, and now you've extended it. It's such a wonderful, varied program that you have there for moms and babies and children, for the whole family. So you mentioned more of how it was developed and your focus. Can you just mention more about maybe next steps that you have with this book and program? Sure
2: thing. So we developed all these books, including the Caring for Motherhood Journal with designers at ETSU Biomedical Communications. So they're also called BMC Creative. So they're designers that work in the Quillen College of Medicine. And we use a very iterative process with these books. So there's lots and lots of ideas exchanged and drafts, but they are all printed and bound at ETSU in the College of Medicine. We, as I mentioned, did go through multiple drafts of Caring for Motherhood. We, we went through several rounds of piloting with providers and patients in our clinic and tried to address feedback to improve the book in it when we were developing it. So things like reducing reading level, which can always be challenging when you're talking about health topics. We tried to do that. We heard from mothers that they really liked the interactive pages, graphics lists, less text. So we really worked on that in revisions. Right now, what we're doing this year is actually working on a smaller book that doesn't include all the prenatal visits to use in pediatric or post-delivery settings. Say a mom didn't get the book at the start of her pregnancy from her obstetrical provider like is intended. Suppose she didn't get it, here's still a book that we can give out after delivery. So we're creating a subset of the book. We also have developed partnerships with ETSU's Institute for Integrated Behavioral Health. I mentioned we have a long history of team-based care at ETSU, but we have a new behavioral health consultant in the ETSU Health OB clinic we have well established team in pediatrics and in family medicine and those professionals are actually really eager to help us share these books with patients and discuss them and use them and a lot of the topics as i mentioned fall right under the purview of a behavioral health or resource team member so We also have developed a collaboration with Ballad Health. They have a community health worker, community health navigation program in the region called Strong Pregnancies and Strong Starts. And Strong Pregnancies started first. It is for prenatal patients and Strong Starts is currently expanding. So these are professionals that are, some of them are embedded in our office, in our clinic. Some of them work remotely but they help to coordinate care, reinforce reminders and help connect families to community resources. We are doing some trainings with those program staff so they can help reinforce the messages and use of the books, participation in events for the Read and Play program and caring for motherhood. So that's a great collaboration. We are translating Caring for Motherhood into Spanish, like we did with our other read and play books. And then we're also adopting it for digital media. So we will have a website. It's still under development, but it's caringformotherhood.org. We're using social media. So we have established read and play social media that we're going to build on. And then we've also recorded several podcasts for a podcast series that faculty at ETSU developed called Growing Stronger Together. So I'm actually the host of this subset of that podcast series, which is called Moms on Mondays, where we're gonna talk about these topics and hope to reach a broad audience. We're also doing videos, because again, a book is a book. You gotta read a book. We know that some of our patient populations have low literacy skills or don't find that form of communication engaging. So we have recorded a series of four videos on the topics that we've discussed with Pepper, who's ETSU's therapy dog. And Pepper is actually, there are no raccoons, squirrels, or owls in the Caring for Motherhood book, but we do have Pepper in there doing yoga, ETSU's therapy dog. We've started to incorporate Caring for Motherhood in our community outreach. So last week, we did an event over in Sullivan County called Kids Central. We brought with us information and resources and had discussions with moms relevant to their health and well-being and, and safety, not just for kids. And through some support from our regional healthcare system, health care system, Ballad Health We're actually going to be making another book this next year. And we also have a safe and healthy home tent that we've designed and are using at community events. It's actually based on one of our children's books, and it is intended to model a safe and healthy home environment for families. So again, we'll align really well with a lot of the topics that we cover in caring for motherhood wonderful
1: such a thoughtful expansion of the opportunity and you're right nail on the head with having to have different ways to approach and connect with the patients and mentioning that can you go into just a little bit more of the patient's experience with the book i know it's introduced early in the prenatal experience, but is it something that the patient would work through at home or is there connection at each visit with providers? Sure. So
2: that is, I think, an ideal way for how it could be used if it was given to the mother at her first or early prenatal visit. And then the provider invites mom to bring it with you to visits, points out the Pages that are used to help guide and engage moms with providers during their prenatal care. And then during those follow up visits, if a healthcare provider actually asks about the book, touches the book, talks about the book, I think that's how it can become a useful tool. So that was our experience with the baby book, where it was most helpful and most used was in those instances when healthcare providers talked about it, just 15, 20 seconds incorporated into the visit. In those situations, we'd have families coming back and having the baby book lying on the exam table before we ever came in the room. So they could see the photos and the notes that they added between visits. And certainly the caring for motherhood journal is the same. It's intended to be sort of a workbook, a planner, a journal. That's our goal. It is... July, this is a time of year in healthcare where health professions training, where there's lots of transitions. So that is actually what we're doing now, doing training, sharing scripting for our new healthcare providers, our new healthcare supervisors, like I said, for our community partners. We do in the back of the book, I mentioned that we have some stickers and and tear out sheets, which are really cute. We do have a page on COVID-19 considerations because we were creating this book during the COVID-19 pandemic. We also have a QR code and link to a feedback survey. And that is also gonna be part of our scripting and use of the book in clinics or in community settings. We wanna hear from you what was helpful about this book, what you liked, what could be improved. So please share your feedback through that REDCap feedback survey. So we're looking forward over the coming months and years to having that feedback and being able to
1: continue to improve and evolve. Great. That sounds like definitely a great tool for patient engagement without maybe sometimes the awkwardness of trying to find a connection. So that is amazing. I love the thought of the patients initiating it here. I've updated my book. See what exciting things are happening, and that allows you to have a different level of experience with patients during the visit.
2: That's one of the most exciting parts about these books and this program is that it can help to build engagement. So we have a lot of patients and families that may, you know, building trust is such an important part of the patient-provider relationship, and we have families that may have had negative experiences or known people who've had negative experience in, in the past or not just be nervous or, or suspicious even and not be open to sharing and discussion and i think as busy healthcare providers you know we're always limited by time in the clinic and having a tool like this can be really helpful on our end too just to just a reminder a prompt but we have found that that's one of the number one benefits for instance with the baby book is it really helped us build trust build engagement. And once you have that, then later on when there's other issues that come up and, and discussions that need to be had, you've got a foundation.
1: So you've mentioned a very thorough book. It feels like no rock has been unturned in your mission to be thorough. Does the book address any cultural or social factors that could contribute to the care of both the mom and the baby? So we've tried to address that
2: through discussions of adversity and trauma and resilience, just to help put a lens on those issues and pass forward to building empathetic relationships. So I think again, we train healthcare providers here at UTSU, and I can see this book paired with experience that providers and trainees get at our community events as really helping to build that insight and that empathy, just understanding how things that folks go through, whether it's not having enough money for food, violence in the home, how the pathways that lead women to drug use disorder and and drug misuse, hearing those stories, and then understanding that those negative life experiences, how those affect people and and can lead to other unhealthy behaviors. Like there's a lot of research out there about how early life adversity can impact future health behaviors, including what you eat, how active you are, it impacts your mental health. It can impact risk for substance use, for depression and mental health issues, I think understanding that science is really important and helpful in terms of fostering empathy and productive relationships with patients. So, so yes, we have, we've touched on that in several sections of the book. I'm also excited to see how this can be used as a tool, again, paired with those experiences that they have in community outreach for our healthcare trainees.
1: Great. If there were a maternal or infant care provider or institution that wanted to bring the Caring for Motherhood book to their institution and implement into their care system, is there an opportunity for that to happen? And if so, how would they?
2: So we would welcome any inquiries. Our program right now is completely grant-funded. We are developing the digital media because we feel like that is gonna be a way to expand reach of these resources, as well as sustainability, right? So if we can get this information, this program online, that will really help with access. So we even like we did with my baby book, we created a a mobile application that's one of the suggestions we've gotten is, could you turn the book into a mobile app? So that's gonna be something else that we're working on again, just to help with access and then sustainability.
1: And lastly, what advice would you give to others who may have this great opportunity to collaborate with other disciplines to enhance the care for expecting mothers, new mothers and their infants?
2: So, I think again, building relationships between healthcare providers, building relationships with community resource organizations, that is really important as professionals. So, I would say if you are interested in being ad- an advocate for a certain health issue, a great place to start is to. Look for other folks in your community, other folks who are interested and passionate about the same thing that you are or that are doing that work and get to know them get to know their perspective and what they're providing and that is a great first step to collaboration and really being able to help meet the needs of patients from a whole patient whole family approach and i think secondly it can lead to developing programs and interventions on a population health level This book, we give the book to patients, and it's something that we're going to use in clinical encounters, but the collaborations that we've made through the process of creating this book and the the Read and Play program, I think, have helped engage and our providers and trainees at TSU Health engage in community level, population, you know, regional efforts to improve health. So that's very exciting and can be very effective.
1: Yes. And I will add one more word. It is very inspiring. You know, we can all often have the desire and the passion, and maybe even the means, but just to see how great of a program can be developed when everyone works together. And we all keep the focus on both mothers and babies we can have a great caring for motherhood book and more opportunities. Dr. Skizina,
2: do you have any final words for us? Well, I just really want to thank TIPQC for having the opportunity to come in on the podcast and, you know, appreciate all the work that, that TIPQC does in our state to improve health and well-being of mothers and babies. And so I just appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing over in Northeast Tennessee been great talking
1: to you. Absolutely. Same here. We, TipQC, thank you, Dr. Satsuna, for joining us for this podcast. And we thank everyone for listening in to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, Tennessee, the TipQC podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you'd like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team.